I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and I am joined today by Look Ma No Hands podcast favorite. We need to come up with a name for this, like a friend (laughs) of Look Ma No Hands. Megan Burkle, founder of Willow Crowns. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for joining me. This is your fourth time on the show, and this time we're doing something really cool. We want to check in with you, see how you're doing as a business owner with two children in quarantine. <laughs> but you actually put up a post yesterday asking people, you know, what do they want to know in this interview? And you got so many replies, so many questions. And these questions are either the same or even better than some that I was going to ask you. So we're just going to do a Q&A style interview because you said these are actually some of the most frequently asked questions that you get yes. in your DMs. Yay. So we'll just go ahead and find out what everyone really wants to know about Megan. But first of all, Let's check in with you. Um, how is it going now that we're however many years into quarantine? How Your many Willow years? Willow Crowns is like, how many years? Willow Crowns is like full throttle. As far as I understand, your kids are still home with you. So tell us, they are. Tell us how you're surviving. We are. I, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else feels this way, but I actually feel like we have kind of crossed a threshold where this does feel like the new normal now. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly there are moments of overwhelm, but we are approaching, you know, the end of the school year. So I feel like there's a light at the end of the homeschool tunnel. And that is a big relief. And I have become more practiced at flexibility, which is always my struggle. And the more flexible we are during these times, I think the better our mental health is. So I think just having some experience with that, because we've been locked down for what more than 60 days now. Oh yeah. Um, now, I mean, Texas actually is starting to open back up, but, um, home with kids but as far as school, school's not open for the most not part not open and all that. So I feel like it's, we're doing well. I, I feel very busy still and, but it doesn't feel as chaotic or as stressful maybe as in the beginning. So well, we started off with all these like really high expectations for ourselves as parents, right? And I like, also think we had unrealistic expectations about the duration of this. 100%. It's going to be like two weeks. Remember you were doing like, here's what we're going to do Monday through Friday. On Monday, we can all clean out our fridge together. Like you had all these activities like to kind of boost morale. That seems like a hundred years ago. I did not have that? 60 days worth of those. No, no um, nobody knew. I, I think it felt, and you're right. We had really high expectations and yeah. you know, time has just worn us down. And yeah, it, it has. And what everyone was basically saying we needed to do at first, which was lower our expectations has finally happened. And lo and behold, it has improved things. Well, as a parent, whenever anybody tells you to like lower your expectations for yourself or your children, like, you lower your expectations. Like, yeah, lower <laughs> yours. That's just like a default, probably evolutionary response. But after a while, it became what we really all honestly needed to do. And I can see a huge change in not, I wouldn't say both of my kids because one of them is still kind of too young for this to have really affected her. But 
especially in my oldest, just maturity wise, how much more she's able to um, entertain herself or play on her own. And then at the same time, like she refuses to get dressed by herself. Like she's no longer willing to put on her own underwear. So there's like two sides of this, but like for the most part, they just both seem like they've really settled in to this new normal as well. Adaptable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kids are so adaptable. I feel like it's the adults who really, (laughs) really struggle. Adults have had had a day. Well, in the middle and then the middle of all this, you've launched like a new part of your business. So if you haven't listened to an episode with Megan before, she owns a hair accessories business for children and which you've now added a t-shirt li- added a t-shirt line with yes. um monogramming so you they're called the Mama Tees. Tell us about the Mama Tees. So we're now offering these super cute t-shirts and I wanted to offer a style of personalization that I hadn't seen before. You know, I think we've all seen like the pocket monogram And this is a style that it kind of curves along the collar. And I just think it's super sweet and simple and cute. And we are now offering them with kids' names. And I'm very grateful that they have been a huge hit. People are loving them. And I'm really excited to get my feet under me a little bit more with it so we can start to expand that and offer more colors. Because I think automatically when you're shopping for hair bows, you're like, okay, what am I going to wear this with? And you have something right there that people can pick out. And And I think particularly during coronavirus times, I'm not putting my kids in these elaborate, beautiful outfits anymore. Like I have Lily Pulitzer shift dresses in their closet. They're not wearing them. They're wearing t-shirts and leggings or shorts because that's, all we need. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. It's all, it's all we need these days. And so these are clothes that I feel like for the time are perfect. They're cute and they're fun and they're personalized, but they are so appropriate for this casual time in life. They're adorable. I absolutely love them. And I love that, you know, it's, it's apropos that you kind of launched them during this time, not only because they work in quarantine, their quarantine fashion, if you will, but you would think that you were a particularly productive human being before this quarantine started. But I've also noticed, like, I've never had so much pressure on me. Like, my kids are with me all the time. But I've also never done so much. Like, I've I've been releasing, like, two or three podcast episodes a week, I think, which has just sort of happened so by awesome. default. I'm, like, sitting on five of them. Like That's amazing. It, but you just, th- thank you. But you just, like, kind of, it becomes, you start to see what's really important to you. You like, do. Like, I can, for yeah. sure. And I don't know about you, but I have felt for whatever reason, a huge creative burst during this time. Yes. I don't know if it's because all the additional stuff has been stripped away, but I have felt just overwhelmed with ideas and things I want to do and have been using this time to pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. My husband actually used to say to me all the time before this happened that, you know, we think we're so technologically advanced, like we have these iPhones and all this technology in front of us. But the iPhone was actually invented a significantly long time ago. And prior to its invention, we had way more technological advancement happening at a way more rapid rate. And creativity is actually down, like lower than it's ever been. And I can see that because of this, even though like for me, like my screen time's way up because I, it just sort of happens by default. But everything else has kind of been taken away and like those other distractions. And I do feel so much more creative. I think so many people are having that type of reaction to this. And I hope that's something that we really remember and hold on to because that's like the beauty of life is to it be is. here. To and, and don't you see that mirrored in your children though, when you, 
take away all the extras, like extra toys or extra screen time or whatever. And they're left with like literally a pile of twigs in the yard. All the sudden, all of a sudden that becomes, you know, a fire for the fairies that live in the garden or whatever. Like they, when there's no mental clutter or there's less mental clutter, I think it really allows your creativity to blossom. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, that's such a gift. It really is. And it's what we've been told by like parenting experts for ages, just like keep it simple with the toys. But it's a hard thing to do when you live in our day and age. And you've got, you know, there's people on Instagram showing you awesome stuff you want to buy your kids like, yeah, your kids end up with a ton of toys, which is actually one of the questions that somebody asked you about, which we'll get to. But I go to Target now and I look at the toys and I'm like, we don't need this stuff. Like we just don't need it right now. And we're only we're always at home. So you would think I would be like stocking up because we have nowhere else to go. But they're into like the, the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like the mulch. They're like playing yeah. with, they're playing with like the twigs in the garden. Like that's what they care about. That's Somebody right. actually asked you, I guess you have scaled back on toys in the past, which I do remember you talking about. And um, somebody asked you how you get everybody on board in the family. I imagine particularly your kids with taking toys away. So one of the things that I have done during this quarantine is I have featured um, on my Instagram from time to time, our playroom, which is actually our formal dining room. Um, but when we first moved into this house, we decided it was going to be a playroom because you can really see it from the kitchen, the living room, from anywhere. I and love it. originally it had a lot of toys in it, like a lot of toys and a lot of so stuff. many, like you can't even see the floor. And over the years, I have kind of gotten into this like quarterly toy perch. And yeah. you and I have talked about that before. Um, and over the quarantine, I decided that I have reduced the toy stash so significantly that we really don't need a designated playroom anymore. And so one of my projects during this time has been to turn it into more of like a family room. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And it is because through this quarantine time, I realized that the things that were actually keeping my children entertained were crafts. Um, or time outside or books. And those things don't take up a lot of room. So I was able to consolidate all our toys down to fit in this one hutch that, um, I'll have to, I'll have to show it on stories. When we, when we air this episode, I'll get on Instagram stories and I'll show what I'm talking about, but I have this, it looks like kind of a buffet and it has baskets inside it. And that's where all the toys live, all of them. Incredible. Well, I can't wait to see this. And I so (laughs) identify because I mean, I went through both of my kids rooms yesterday and I took every plastic toy, like every plastic thing that's supposed to represent something that it's not. And I just threw it in a bag and I was like, I mean, they're just not using it. And so, um, the things we use the most are crafts. Like my kids love kinetic sand and Play-Doh and paints, but they also love to do things like dig holes outside and garden with me and things like that. So I, the first person I had to get on board with all that was myself, really. And yeah, it's a lot of letting go. It's like it's a lot go of letting what go. things were supposed to look like as silly and as then, that. Made sense, but. Yes, there is some protest for the kids from the kids, but you know, you can be sneaky about it if you want. You can either involve them or not. That's totally your call. But honestly, my kids don't ask for the things that are gone. And so that right, reinforces me. We didn't need these. And then in terms of getting other people on board, I just you're the mom. 
<laughs> like, I don't, know. I don't know how it is in other homes, but in my house, that means I run this ship. And well, there's a, there's a blogger that I follow who like took TV away from her kids, like just took it away. Like this was before the quarantine. She was like, they weren't reacting very well um, to all the TV time. And we just decided we're, we're not doing it right now. And, and she got all like inundated with questions like, how did you do that? My kids would freak out. And she just posted this video instead of answering everybody one by one and was like, you guys who are asking me how I did this, like, are you kidding? Your mom, like walk into the living room and tell everyone what's going on. Like I walked into the living room and I said, we're not doing this anymore. And they protested and then they went and played outside because I'm in charge. I mean, and I thought that was so refreshing. And you're like, oh my God, are you kidding? They're going to cry and whine about a hundred other things during the day in addition to whatever they're upset about that you're taking away. So in a way, like whining and like crying has kind of become the soundtrack of my life. It's just, yeah, we have to get used to it, right? It's part of being a parent. And if it's important to you, you know, like, it's like, if a child is like, can I run across the street, like a busy street? You're obviously like, no. And if they cry, you still say, sorry, the answer's still no. Exactly. And I, so, I mean, one of the, yeah, no, it's not, you're not going to let them run into oncoming traffic you, because they're upset about it. You get to so. say, no, you're the mom. That's the beauty of it. And my seven-year-old has recently, she's really, um, she's kind of developed this complex about how it's so unfair to be a kid and oh, how lucky yeah. we are that we get to be the adults. I and remember doing that. I remember feeling, I, and I have said to her, I so sympathize with you. I remember feeling this way. Um, but that is the beauty of it. We're finally the adults and we make the rules. We call the shots. And so whether it's your kids or grandparents or loved ones, you just, this is the rule. This is the way it goes. And, you know, you're, you can, people always talk about like, what about at birthdays or Christmas or whatever? I'm like, I can give you suggestions for things we'd love for them to receive. If you really, really want to gift them something. Um, you know, my mom is great about this. She always sends books. I love you that. Know, books, yeah, books, books, or best, pajamas. Yeah. She loves, she, my mom has like a problem with pajamas. So does mine. My mom loves gifting pajamas as well. Yeah. It's a, it must be a grandma thing. And I'm like, but that's like where we get Give all our pajamas. All the books and pajamas you want to. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll take it. We'll so, find a place for it. So yeah, I love it. That's the toy situation for us. And now all our toys are confined to a few baskets that are hidden in this hutch in our now family room. And instead of having like a big toy chest, we actually built a desk into the wall. Um, so the girls, I saw that your husband built it and it's where they're doing their crafts. It's like, it looks just like it blends in. And they're doing, you know, my oldest is still finishing out first grade. So she's doing her schoolwork there. Um, and that has just been a better use of our time, space and money. So, that's where we're Has it been toys. difficult having them at home doing schoolwork while you're running Willow Crowns? I mean, yes. I mean, like the answer to that question, I feel like has to be yes, but yes, of course. Um, of course it has been, but I guess that's also something that maybe you've gotten used to is just like the background noise. Yeah, if you sure. Will. And I think too, we have just, again, like you have to relax those expectations. I have always operated in a pretty I'm going to say rigid for lack of a better word schedule. Well, yeah, you do like overnight shipping. Basically you take a whole bunch of orders. Everything is like meticulously laid and out like, and designed. And like the baby's nap time, I, the baby, she's yes. great. Isabel's nap time is work time. And when that was getting interrupted with things that was really grinding. And so just 
two months worth of having to learn to let that go, it feels easier to let that go. It feels easier to have a more flexible schedule. Yeah, I do believe that when we resume life as we knew it before, which by the way, I don't think we ever really will, but I think parts of it. Yeah. When the parts come back, the parts like school or what have you, um, we will be forever changed for the better by those lessons, by being able to let go. I hope so. Um, It's uncomfortable, but I think change is inherently uncomfortable. Um, Yeah. Or we wouldn't do it on our own. So it has to happen from an outside. No, exactly. Like our hand has been forced. So it's been, you know, homeschool has been interesting. Um, I'm definitely like affirmed that I'm not a homeschooling mom. By I'm, the way. Like, I was never I, meant to be a yeah. teacher. Thank goodness I'm not. Um, and thank goodness I only have a first grader because right. I, don't I cannot imagine any- having like a high school student who like actually needs to learn stuff. Yeah. I don't even know. I can't even, I've had so many requests for like podcast episodes about how to, especially cause so many of the women who have children in middle school or high school they're responsible for homeschooling them and, and submitting their assignments. And they also work full time from home. It's like completely impossible. There isn't a way I can't do an episode about how to do that because there is not a way to do that. There's There's just like understanding that there's not a way. There's not enough hours in a day to work full time and provide a full time education. No. And now we know that. I think like bizarrely, there were some, there was some speculation that maybe we could do that. We were kind of heading in that direction. Like this idea of like the working mom who kind of can do it all and like maybe homeschools her kids. I think we're pretty clear now that like, nope, can't do it all. Don't want to. So grateful that my kid has teachers. I'm so appreciative of all these other caregivers and nurturers in our lives now, because not that I wasn't grateful for them before, but I am realizing truly the impact of their absence. And I will never take that for granted. (laughs) I will never take it for granted. I felt like there was always sort of this undercurrent of like dropping my kids off at preschool. Like I should be able to do this and like, I shouldn't be outsourcing this. I don't really know where I got that from, but I don't have it anymore. Let me just tell you. I'm like, (laughs) all right. Yep. I thank you. This is not what I was meant to do with my life. I've never been so clear on that. You can teach the children. I will love the children. I'll raise the children. Um, but I'm just grateful for the people in our lives who contribute to that because I, I know that I could not do it without them. So you got all these questions. I'm going to go back to another one. So there's a pre-quarantine um, question. Pe- uh, people want to know how you had the confidence to start your business. You've told this story many times of how you ended up starting it, which is by essentially making bows in your kitchen yeah. um, and turning it into willow crowns. But I guess that's another question, how you had the confidence to really turn it into an operation. I didn't. I did not. Um, and I think you and I actually maybe talked briefly about this um, in our first conversation, but confidence in myself as an adult, that is always my personal um, work in progress. And really, I mean, I got to tell you right now, Megan, I am absolutely shocked to hear you say that. True. So I can't be the only one. True. Um, I had a very difficult school experience. And during some really formative years, my parents actually pulled me out of the school that I was at and put wow. me in a different one. Um, mean, like a mean girls. I was just really bullied. I was at a, a private Catholic school. Wow. And I was in, I think the last grade I finished there was sixth grade. And at that point, and I, when I say small, I mean small, there were four boys and four girls in the sixth grade. Oh, man. And it had been an ongoing issue for a few years. And, um, 
after a lot of therapy and family discussions, we did decide to switch me to public school. And actually I met my husband on the first day of seventh grade. So oh my God. So that it, was like more than meant to be. It, it worked wow. out just fine. Um, but that, and he met you coming out of such a like traumatic experience. I mean, what a sure. journey to like go on with someone. Absolutely. He's, like, you all of it. Incredible. So he, it, and those are really formative years, you know? Um, and so they really left me. You, I think whenever something bad happens to you, if you don't have a lot of confidence, you feel like you, you deserved it or you brought it on yourself and it's a real crisis of confidence. And so that has been something I have always worked on, you know, through my teen and young adult years and a lot of therapy. And, um, so starting my business, I, it's not, confidence is not the thing that comes naturally. I think it's a lot better now because I, I mentioned to you, like seeing Willow Crown succeed, that was a huge aid to gaining confidence in myself because I felt like if I can do this, obviously, if it can be this successful, I must be good at this. So it was um, really an act as acting as if like a fake it until you make it type of. Yes. And it was thing. really just like, I want to do it. And if I, you you have to put yourself out there or it'll ne it'll never happen if you don't try. Well, you put yourself out there. I mean, in a pretty, like you're, you, you put yourself out there frequently and, and everybody loves that. Cause we love knowing, you know, what you're doing to keep your house so clean and stay so pretty. But so, um, <laughs> you put yourself out there frequently and I can imagine that, like, I know that for me, I was certainly not bullied, um, to any degree, but I definitely had some very uncomfortable experiences during those years that you referenced that would make me that currently like they still make me feel vulnerable sharing videos of myself because I know some of those people are actually even following me like on yes, Instagram. It, it's really, it's, it's amazing to me. And I, I think it really is one of the things that rattles me most as a parent is how vulnerable these uh, years are. And how yeah. significant and important these little years are in the development of our children. And I was really fortunate that even though some terrible things were happening to me, my home was always a safe space. And my parents were always there for me. And they did everything they could to help me recover. But it, I think as a mother, that just shakes me to think yeah. that I, I don't want my kids to be damaged because of something that happens to them when they're so small. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think that kind of comes full circle into, okay, I want my daughters to be confident and I want them, I don't want them to miss out on opportunity because they're afraid to pursue it. So I have to be the one to show them that. And so even if that means I have to fake it, <laughs> I'm going to start. You're going to do it. And wow. Yeah. So there was, so that really is it. Like if you just, if you're passionate about an idea, if you're something you really want to do, just tr to try as much as possible to silence all the other voices and just try. Well, especially and you're speaking to a lot of mothers on this podcast. And like, there is something about like the call of motherhood to make us step out into our biggest fears. If only it will, if it means that our children might be able to have like a better life than we had, like, that's what, like, if we can give them that type of that gift of confidence by being confident ourselves, like I do so many things every day that I never would have done before I had kids because I feel like I have to do them now. I feel like sure. I owe it to them. Um, but even if you're not a parent, I mean, I think it's so important to know, like, if you really want something just to do it first and the feelings will follow, the feelings of confidence will follow. Yes. And, and sometimes things may not work. 
And yeah, <laughs> that, thanks to my husband and I, we just had like a huge disappointment. Um, but we tried, um, we were actually trying to buy a house. Um, Oh man. I didn't tell anyone. Our house was on the market, um, a few weeks ago and there was this one house we have watched for years. It was one street over. Um, and so it's one you wanted for a really long time, seven years. I have watched this house and told my husband, like, if this house ever goes to the market, we're buying this house. And it went on the market. We put two offers on it. We scrambled to get our house ready and listed and we still didn't get it. And we were crushed. I mean, we sulked around the house for a few days. We were really, really disappointed. But he said to me, he's like, you know, we did everything we could. If we hadn't even tried, we never would have gotten that house. And so it's kind of like that is a recurring theme in my life is that sometimes you you go for it and it's a huge slam dunk. And then other times you go for it and it's a huge disappointment, but it's part of the life experience, the highs and the lows. And, you know, maybe we would have gotten that house and maybe next time we will. Um, And so it's the same with business. Like there's always the possibility of embarrassment or disappointment, but there's always also the possibility that something incredible could happen. Well, yeah. Yeah. And it's good to hear from you that like you've had those experience experiences, even though you've had so many positive experiences that those ones still happen. And like, I think they show us like what your husband said, you know, you did everything that you could, you put two offers in on this house. We put two offers in on that house. We we put our house that we had no intention of leaving on the market. You know, now, like, and then, and it's those, it's those moments, especially I think in business where I'm like, I'm so convinced that I'm supposed to be doing something or maybe interviewing someone and it doesn't work out. And I'm just like, what? Like, I know I'm supposed to be interviewing this person and maybe it's not a no, but it's just a not right now. But either way, like I know that I put everything into it and that makes it feel very, very clear and certain to me that this just was not the right timing or maybe I'm wrong about what it is that I should be doing next. And I can just know that and and move on And I think knowing that I did what I could. We're often our harshest critics. And so I think we just... I, I think about things that I would want to do and I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to do it because I'd be embarrassed if it failed. And I'm like, embarrassed yeah. to whom? Like my husband wouldn't make me feel that way. My children and my family and my closest friends would never be anything but supportive. So is it internet strangers? <laughs> um, I think a lot of it is internet strangers. And are, yes. we, are we not, why are we letting, you know, that guide our decision-making and not, our own intuitions and the feedback from the people who love us and know us best. Well, this has been a really wonderful time for all of us to really reconnect with our own intuition and what we really, who we are, who matters to us, um, what we really want for our lives. And I guess my hope is that those voices, the internet strangers will start to drown out. I mean, you were talking about having more creativity. I think that's a real reason for that. Um, So much more of our lives are being lived in person than they Mm. were before. And we actually get the feedback of the people whom we chose to be in our lives, people who hopefully (laughs) love us and support us, not people who we knew in eighth grade or whatever it may be. So um, speaking of that kind um, husband of yours (laughs) who gave you the great advice around the house, you must have gotten about 20 questions when you asked what people wanted to know about you in this interview on your marriage. Everyone wants relationship advice. Someone said, especially for the newer parent stage. So let's start there relationship advice for the newer parent stage for someone who is about to have her second baby. What do you got? Wow. Um, so I actually love the new baby stage. Um, 
in regard to my husband. Um, he is a real night owl and oh, that's I'm an, very handy and I'm an early morning riser. So we actually made a great team when it came to newborn living because mm-hmm. he would stay up late with the baby and do nighttime feeds basically up until midnight. And then wow. I, I would catch the early morning. So it actually worked out perfectly. But I do remember when we had our oldest, um, we had our first whisper fight. Oh, because <laughs> whisper fight. I, I <laughs> the totally baby was yeah. like, we had just gotten the baby to sleep, but we were not in agreement about how it had happened or something. And we were literally like whisper yelling across <laughs> the across, room yeah. at each other. Um, but what I have figured out, cause I, have known my husband since the first day of seventh grade. So that is 20 years. Yeah. So in and a way you really have advice for people for what it's going to be like down the I line because you've been together for so long. I have learned um, over that time and really, especially in the past few years that just being super honest, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just me, but I find myself when things are bothering me, I find that passive aggression is kind of a default and yeah. there's, it's so unhelpful. Um, and so whether we had, it's like a protective mechanism, I think I almost, guess, or like, like, let's say the trash isn't taken out and I've asked for the trash to go out. I'll be like, so, um, you know, you know, I don't know. Like, it, so the trash is like kind of full. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess of, like, the trash is going to take itself out or something. Know, so I, I, like, yeah. Instead of saying, Hey, can you please take the trash out? You know, and I have learned recently. So here's a great example. Mother's day was this past weekend. And in years past, I have kind of waited to be surprised and delighted on mother's day. Uh-huh. And while my husband is always very willing to make me feel great and do anything that I might ask. Um, he's not a mind reader. Right. And so in mother's day, mother's days past, I've been disappointed. And this year I walked into his office like two weeks before mother's day. And I was like, being a mother this year has been a real task. (laughs) And here's what I would like. Here's what I would like. And here's the link to what I would like and the color I would like it in. And here's how I want the day to go. (laughs) And I love it. He was like, okay, great. And it was the best mother's day I've ever had. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. it, It so boils down to, and I could transfer that exact scenario into having a newborn or trying to like the process of like looking for homes together, you know, any aspect of our marriage, the more honest and just upfront with him, I am, he's, you know, it just makes all the difference. Like communicating, even if I, I'll say to him sometimes like you, I'm going to say this and I feel like it's dumb or I feel needy saying it or whatever, but I just have to, to tell it to you. Um, it could be, I feel like I'm about to lose my mind because I haven't slept because we have a new baby. This is exactly what I need from you. Yeah. I'm just like nodding right along. Yes. Instead of expecting that, you know, we get so frustrated. Like think about like when you have a toddler and they don't like quite know how to talk yet. And you're like, if only they could just tell me what I need. Yeah. I imagine that's what it's like being married to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I love it. If only she, if could, only just she could tell me, tell what, me what she needs. And so I've started just like unapologetically, I mean, in, in a nice way, I'm never like, dem- I try not to be demanding or assume anything, but just to be really honest and straightforward, no games, no passive aggression, just super straightforward. And, you know, hopefully we are all married to people who love us and, want to do the things that we need. And if you can just tell them what those things are, it's just so much easier to meet in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I think you also take a lot of personal accountability doing that as opposed to, I think what you're discussing, what you're describing right now is also a lesson that's learned after several years of marriage and or a baby or two, like really going through things together. Just a disclaimer, if this person that you asked you this question is like newly married, I think a lot of what you're discussing, like is stuff that I really have come to learn. I've been married like five years now, especially in the last year about being straightforward and really talking, owning what's my stuff. You know, what you just said about like, listen, I'm exhausted and I'm in that space right now where I feel really aggravated because I think X, Y, or Z. And um, given all that, I would, I just want to know if you could, whatever. I mean, it's just like, there's, I'm accountable for my stuff. And I'm also asking for what it is that I need. And I'm not making it anybody's fault that I'm feeling so riled up. Right. It doesn't have to be anyone's fault. Because I think when you, when I kind of switched to this way of dealing with him, I became a lot more solution focused. Right. Instead of like, whose fault something was, I'm more like, okay, how do I feel better about this? How do we resolve whatever this is? And that it kind of trims all the extra stuff out. It does. And it's really helpful. And I think, you know, we really struggled to have our second daughter and going through that process together, we processed those things very, very differently. Mm -hmm. And like we had never really experienced grief together before. And we learned a lot about each other in that time and how we deal with things and what each other's emotional needs are. He needs a lot of space when emotions are high. And, and that could be really hard for someone who and like, I need a lot of conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly about like working out, like, here's the game plan. Like, it's almost like Here's the game plan. not to like, it's not you're it. horrible because you need space and I can't do this. It's like, okay, well, I get that you need space. I need to talk. So and how if, can we make this work? And if I have the understanding that if I give him his space, he promises to come back to me with that conversation. We have an understanding. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, I think you're right. I think it just takes some time. You know, we've been married for nine years and you know, I feel like these past three years or so, we've really kind of hit our stride. It doesn't mean that things are always great or perfect. Um, but you've gotten into a real flow of... Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're a team. We're working to keep our family steered in a certain direction. And we're both working on that same, you know, we're both rowing the same boat in the same direction every day. Right. Well, well, I love that you say all that because I think one of the biggest things that everybody is up against, like especially in the social media saturated world that we live in with like engagement photos and wedding pictures and everything is that like marriage actually like the really like the good ones, they get better. 
as like time goes yes. by. Like you don't want to go back to the wedding. You like it's great where you're at. It gets Our better. Your like, marriage was comes up. difficult. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Like and hard. and I didn't even realize how hard it was until I look back. People were like, "Oh, the first year of marriage is the hardest," and I was like, "Huh? Eh, I'm doing things are great." I look back and I'm like, "Wait. Oh my god. Like I'm so glad I don't have to be like." I don't have to be in that space where I didn't know you as well anymore. And where like, we disagreed about things that like we can now work out in a much more seamless way because we've had those struggles because we've learned how to talk to each other. And we've learned like more about what doesn't work. And I kind of, I look forward to that evolving and growing. And I think we just sort of have this idea that like things are great in the beginning and then it kind of just sucks. And you, <laughs> I, I don't understand that because like, the wonderful thing about having a baby, and I want to say this like to anyone who's in it right now, because for both for us, like our having our kids, the first year of each of our kids' lives were extremely challenging. Um, and we got to the end of that first year both times, and it was like, oh my God, we've been through a war, but <laughs> I will never go back to where we were before, and it's so much better now. Yeah. And it's like if you can overcome, I discussed this on the episode I did on marriage with my rabbi, which is like a few episodes back, but that's the thing about marriage. Like you have these challenges, um, but if you can really face them together, even if it's messy, if you can do do it together, you get to the other side stronger and happier than you were before. It's true. I feel like there's a lot of strength that is forged in adversity. Um, yes. And it, it's really true. I think sometimes good marriages, there are periods of time where things are really ugly and messy and just... Yes. You, but you have to have it. Um, yeah, it's part of it. It's not supposed to be wonderful all the no. time. It's Cause, supposed cause to be like once kids get into the picture. And oh, you it's so start, messy. You got to figure out you're both like dealing with your own shit, and then you have a kid. <laughs> and like, like you're trying like to like lot. figure out like your parenting style and their parenting style. Oh, and yeah. Making you know those live harmoniously and presenting a united front. And then as you get older, there are things. I mean, just. The, the older we get and the more kids we have, the more real our problems are. And so it's, the you have bigger to, the kids, the bigger the problems. Yes, right? it's so, so true. So, I mean, I think yeah. just my biggest thing with our relationship, whether we've had new babies or any other time has been to really just own my own stuff and just communicate as, you know, boldly, I guess, as I can, like in a, in a nice way, but just to really like put it out there, like spell it out these are my needs because otherwise they'll never be met. Right. And then you're owning them and, and you're responding. I think that's beautiful. And I think parenting can also bring up, you know, this is how I want to do things. And if you disagree with me about that, like you're a demon, I think women, especially towards men, because we're like very protective of our cubs. Yes. Um, we have a new kid and there's like a way we want to do things, like especially with a newborn, if it's our first kid, husband disagrees, wants to do something differently, can feel kind of like almost threatening. Um, and causes a lot of conflict. But what I wish somebody told me was when you disagree about something um, around the way that you're raising your kid, keep your eyes and your ears open and be mindful that you might not be completely right about yeah. how this is supposed to go. Um, because some of the biggest, I guess, I don't want to call them mistakes, but like the biggest errors I have made um, have been around really honestly thinking that I was so right that I couldn't make room for my husband's opinion. And in the end, it, it became very clear that he was actually way more right than I was. Um, and have we been doing things that way longer, we would have all been a lot happier. So that's something that I kind of make amends for every day and just trying to be more open minded about what 
my kid's childhood is going to look like. I have a spouse for a reason. Like I'm yeah. not supposed to be doing all this by myself, but that could be a be very challenging parent. You don't want to be the only parent, but there is so much out there. Like when you're a mom and you're going through it, like you got to get on the same page. You got to like agree about everything. I don't really think that's true. I think that, um, being open and being willing to compromise around things that are as sacred to you as motherhood is really like where the, where the joy is, like where the I, good stuff is. I so agree. And I think like to have the expectation that you'll always agree on everything is just a setup for failure. And so my husband and I never have the understanding that we will always agree. We, we only have the understanding that we will not disagree in front of our kids. Right. That is our, like the, that is our biggest parenting rule is even if I think you are dead wrong, I will not undermine you in front of our kids. I will pull you behind a closed door and whisper yell at you. <laughs> I will whisper yell. I've never heard of that term, but I will like, I'm gonna it but like, on. that's our big thing is like, we need our kids to feel like we are a unit. And that might mean that we have to hash some things out behind closed doors, which when you take a step back, you're like, well, of course you would. You're two different people coming from two different upbringings with two different ideas. Of course, you're going to have to compromise constantly. But as long as those compromises aren't happening in front of our kids, you know, that's really just our biggest rule. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's beautiful. I also read Kristen Bell shared recently that when she does argue with her spouse in front of her children, like if that ends up happening, because they're just so heated, they can't keep it away from them. They go back and they like apologize to each other, like in front of, they explain what happened. I mean, there are times my husband and I have certainly had, um, discussions where we're not agreeing. Right. Um, And it, it could, it could be as simple as like a paint color or something. Like we obviously don't need to like hide behind closed doors to have that exchange. Um, but Olivia will be like, are you guys arguing? (laughs) And my husband and I will be like, well, we don't agree right now. Olivia is your oldest. She's my seven-year-old. And she'll be like, oh, okay, guys, take it easy. Take it easy. Everybody calm down. And my husband or I will say to her, you know what? It's okay if we're not agreeing. Right. But do you hear that we are speaking to each other respectfully? Do you hear that mommy's getting her chance to talk and daddy's getting his chance to talk? Um, And she gets to witness the compromise happen. I think there's a lot of benefit. Again, like we would never have a conversation about how to parent the kids in front of the kids, but we would certainly be open to disagreeing about a paint color or whatever. I mean, they need to see them how to disagree with people. I, yeah. I mean, somebody, I, uh, another person I follow on Instagram was sharing the other day that she, um, didn't she, somebody reached out to her. They don't really know how to have any type of disagreement with their spouse because it wasn't modeled for them. Like they never saw their parents argue. And like when they did it, when they did see their parents argue, excuse me, it was just like knock down, drag out. So they have no idea what like a healthy disagreement looks like. I right. think about that a lot. Like, I think the reaction of somebody who grew up in a home where there was a lot of fighting is like, we should absolutely never fight in front of our children ever, ever, ever. But the other side of that is like, they also need to understand how to work things out with someone that they disagree with and go into life knowing like when they get married, they're not going to agree with their spouse about everything. I mean, I think the thing that comes out of my mouth most often these days to my seven-year-old is what is a kinder way to say that? Yes. Like constantly, constantly, because we're all on top of each other right now. Obviously we've 
you know, and she is sick to death of her younger sister, as I totally understand. Um, right. And my younger sister is going to listen to this and be like, excuse you, <laughs> but I understand yeah. the trials of having a little sister. Um, and like uh, Isabel will do something super small and she'll be like, Hey, don't do that. And I'm, I'm just constantly like, what is a kinder way to say that you can tell her don't touch my stuff, but you have to find a nice way to do it. Right. It's okay to say that. It's, it's okay, okay to have, to have things you don't want to share. It's okay it to have right. things that you feel possessive of, but you have to find a kind way to do it. And so I feel like that is kind of in the same vein as like learning how to respectfully disagree. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important skill. I think it's it's wonderful that you're able to do that. I'm looking back at the questions and, and the other most popular one that everyone had for you was you always share all these hacks that you have for organization, <laughs> life, the kids. And um, I guess we missed the hacks and we want to know if you have any updated ones in this quarantine time that we're in. Any is, hacks, Megan? Is an Uncrustable considered a life hack? Like, Absolutely. I want to know. Yes. Those are all my hacks lately. Microwaveable um, food. I cannot tell you the amount of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches Uncrustables we have gone through. Like Costco does not sell a box big enough for us. We're really into chocolate chip microwavable pancakes. So I think um, that's less healthy. So don't I even, don't, yeah. I, I, I just, I'm yeah. trying to think. Hack, as long as there's food in the belly. I mean, it, moving cocktail hour up an hour is like my biggest. I love that. Hack. When I first asked Megan about doing this interview, I was like, well, we should do an interview about how Megan's surviving quarantine. And she was like, one word, tequila. I was like, that's what we'll call the episode. But so <clears throat> I just, I think the microwavable food is super important. I want to know if you're still waking up early yes. before the kids are you getting that sleep in. I am because, you know, my kids are still really early risers and yeah. I just need the time for myself. Yeah. Especially yeah. now more than ever with quarantine, if I'm going to get alone time, it's either going to be late at night or early in the morning and early in the morning just sets my day up better. Um, so that and you're, you have like an entire business that you're running. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense that you would need that time. I mean, too. my poor Emily, who is like my right hand woman at Willow Crowns, she's probably so tired of getting texts from me at like 5 a.m. But it is the only time I have uninterrupted to get to the things that I, I know have to be taken care of. So just if you've never heard a Megan Burkle episode before, Megan wakes up before her children. And if that seems mind blowing to you, it once did to me as well. And it still is, but it's something that I have adopted myself. And I will say, it's not something that I'm able to do every morning because sometimes I really do need the sleep need the in sleep. this season that we're in. Yeah. I mean, I, the days are just like grueling and sometimes They're I'm so like, you know what? Right now. Got, yeah, I've got to get as much rest as I can get right now. But in the event that I can wake up early, I do. And it's really wonderful. And you wake up like at five and your first child wakes up at like, what is it? Six o'clock in the morning. Six so you have like an hour. Yeah. I have an hour. Yeah. I mean, my kids are really early risers. Um, and that's do you ever just, wake up and they like hear you and they wake up at the same time I and you're just like, no, where I swear they just know. Yeah. They I know. Swear they just they know. know. And so my youngest was trying to get up from like five 30 this morning. And I just went into her room and I said, I'm sorry, the sun is still sleeping. Yes. And so are you. And so are you have no. a child proof thing on her door. 
Um, yeah. It's basically a glorified lock. And yeah, the little thing that makes it hard to turn the knob. It's it's actually it's called a door monkey. Um, okay. And you slide it onto the edge of the door and it basically keeps the door closed, but ajar. Okay. So they can't pinch fingers or anything like that. Um, And if they throw their bodies against the door hard enough, yes, it will break. So if you have an emergency, (laughs) don't worry. Um, But basically, you know, it comes back to like, I'm the mom. I make the rules. Like we don't get up before six. We, We don't come out of our rooms before six and that, I mean, no new hacks though. I mean, really it's just been survival of the fittest over here. Yeah. I hear you, man. I'm right along. I'm refreshed <laughs> to hear that. I like, it makes me feel good. Um, I'm glad to know you're over there with the Uncrustables. Like just I, we're doing hitting the Uncrustables hard. Like I came home. Um, I actually went and got a manicure today. Um, my first post, like, you know, I know one of the questions, um, was how How was it? It was incredible. Um, I know one of the questions was like, how am I getting, like, how am I deciding what activities to pick back up again? And, um, maybe we can, but I was out, I was trying to, you know, slowly reenter society and I came home and there was, um, a peanut butter and jelly wrapper on the stairs. I mean, that's just, that's, that's my life right now. There's either a cheese stick wrapper or an uncrustable wrapper. Like my kids seem to have forgotten what trash cans are for. Yeah. I'm just like letting it, they've forgotten all those things. And I'm just like, we'll have to learn them again later. Cause we're not going to learn them right now. So nope, we are going to take, like, take it go. one day at a time. Letting it go. So Jen, like, let's talk about that. What are the things that you are getting back into and what are you still putting off? Well, I have, I told my husband the other day, I said, I feel like the thought of getting back to life and I'm not going to say as normal because I don't think it will ever be normal again. Um, I think there will, there there are some things that are going to be just irrevocably changed, but the idea of getting back out into the world, it brings up all the anxiety I had when this all first kicked off. Because I had kind of been numbed into the new normal, right? Right. And I have not gone to the grocery store. I know. 60 days. I don't want to go back. Like I've been doing delivery, target drive up. Um, I still won't go to a grocery store. I still am just not like, it's something that I can with zero effort get delivered to my home. Um, Right. And... I, it's a very anxiety inducing place. It's like, a, it is. And it's, I feel like it's, it's just scary. It's, it is scary. And I, I have been reluctant to go back. So Texas has been reopened technically for a couple of weeks yeah. now, but I have been really reluctant to go out because I know that we have to wear masks. I know why I think it's good, but putting one on forces me to confront a reality. I really wish didn't exist. Yeah. And I don't find it benefits me at all. Like, it's not like a reality I'm confronting so that I can like process it and then feel better about it. It's like literally every time I go to the grocery store and put my mask on and go in there, I feel horrible. And then I just feel horrible. It's it like, feels, it's, it's, a, it's a really it's like, like too much news. It's, it makes it really real. Yeah. And so that's, I, I have, you know, honestly really kind of avoided that, but I have gone into target once. Um, that was, I'm weird. in awe. Like was, just, yeah, it is weird. Cause there's like nobody there. And I don't know if you had this experience being in target, but like 
you don't really need that many things. I used to like leave target with a cart full and now I'm like, Nope, don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Um, yeah. So I have been into target once. And like I said, I went and got a manicure today and I felt a hundred times better about the manicure than I do about the grocery store. Yeah. There's something like that feels clean about the manicure. I was one of like five people in there, including staff, not hundreds in a grocery store, like HEB. If you're not from Texas, like HEB is just gigantic. And there's a lot of people in there. And there's so many people. Yeah. It's people in there. And like, Everyone had their masks on. I had to wear a mask. I, you know, had to wash my hands and use hand sanitizer when I walked in. And then as I was getting my manicure, there was a plexiglass partition between me and the person doing my nails. And I literally slid my hand through a little slot. Wow. To have it done. Um, And it felt so like when I went to Target and I came home, I felt like I needed to shower. I felt like the germs were all over me. Like it's given me this really increased awareness of just disgustingness. I didn't feel that way. Um, Yeah. And so I think I will avoid large crowds for a long time. I can't see myself getting back to that anytime soon. But the thing that I think we will start to kind of slowly work our way back into is seeing friends. Well, yes, yeah, seeing for a smaller gatherings, particularly all the things that you for yeah. my kids, um, yes, because especially. that is a component of their lives and our mental health that has really been missing. And so important. It's I so think important. That's the thing I'm really most excited about. Um, is to get back I'm, I'm excited to for that as well. Small, small gatherings. I mean, we would love to, you know, have someone over to swim. You yeah. Know? Just, you know, my, my kids would love that. So I, I will get back to that, but I, you know, I certainly won't be, you know, we, we usually go to Maine for a month every summer. Um, But you're not getting on the airplane and doing that right now. Plans have not been made. Right. And if, you know, we do end up up there, I know that I won't be seeing my grandparents. Right. You know, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's kind of a balance. I think there are just things that we kind of naturally feel more comfortable with. but definitely we're going to keep our, our crowds very small and avoid, you know, like I will, I'll go get my nails done. But like, even if I needed to go into target, I wouldn't take one of my kids unless I had to, you know, like yeah, we're, I feel we're that I minimize the number that. of people who are going into places. Right. I, I know when this first started, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to like, it was so much a part of our day to take the kids to target or to a store as an activity. Um, and I was like, how am I going to like not take them? That, that felt so difficult. How am I going to explain to them that they can't come, but on it can't come with me. But honestly, like I stopped doing the grocery shopping, either my husband goes or, um, we Instacart, but it just doesn't seem like a really desirable activity anymore to like put the kids in the cart and go to oh, the store. Now I'm just going to be so lazy. I'm like, I don't want to put you in a car seat ever again. Right. Like, it's so hard. So much work to put you in a car seat and then take you out and put you in a cart and make you stay in the cart the whole time we're in the store. Like I'm never doing this again. You guys are never going yeah, to the store once again. You, once you stop doing it, you're like, okay, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore. I'll go by myself. It's way easier by myself. Oh my gosh. Well, I am so happy to hear from you and hear how you're doing. And um, you know, it's like a crazy, it's a it's a very overwhelming time, but I was not 
surprised to hear that you have really found a rhythm within it. And um, I know that on the other side of all of this, I think things will be even better than they were before, especially for you. So oh, thank you thank for you so much. Well, I appreciate you having me come on yet again. We, I love our conversations. I'm so glad that you listening, enjoy them as well. Thank you for all the questions that you submitted. And thank you, Megan, for joining me. And we look forward to joining you again very soon. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, 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 mom.